Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sex trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. But Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Six to this side. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. Carter, you are now connected with me live via Zoom, and Ochai Abaji is the newest member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. How are you feeling, man? Um, I feel fine. Uh, I don't feel like over the moon. Um, I think this was a safe choice. Um, uh, As but, you break out your NPR voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, welcome to NPR, Carter. I feel like this was a safe choice, but the reality is, the, other than AJ Griffin, I don't really think the scary choices were that appealing anymore that were left on the board. You know, Jalen Williams goes off the board. He would be the the reach. Um, you know, Usman Jang goes off the board. He would be another guy that you were maybe taking a bit more of a risky swing on. Mm-hmm. So unless you are a big, 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 big AJ Griffin fan, I think it's just hard to leave uh, with a, a reliable shooter, one of the best movement shooters in the draft uh, that also plays hard on defense and also is a pretty good athlete in the open court. It's hard to leave too grumpy um, with the 14th pick. Is it like the sexiest pick in the world? Am I like dancing in the street like it was after we drafted Evan Mobley? No, but it's also got picked 11 spots later than Evan <laughs> Mobley was. So, you know, that I, I think that's kind of where I'm at at this point. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this pick was really, really interesting from uh, gauging the water, the, the temperature on where the Cleveland Cavaliers are at with this roster and, and where Kobe Altman feels this roster was at. Because obviously AJ Griffin's sliding uh, was interesting, uh, was maybe someone that uh, I, I would have liked to see them take a swing on. But at the same time, they have more information than we do. Um, there isn't the same concerns on the defensive end of the floor of the dedication of basketball, uh, the health concerns. None of that's on the table with Abaji. And then the other guy, I, I think that was an upside swing, at least in my eyes, was Malachi Branham. But at the end of the day, if Malachi Branham hits, what he is able to do on the basketball court is something very similar. And, and we talked about this throughout the process. It's very similar to what Colin Sexton brings to the table, what Karis LeVert brings to the table. And ultimately, the pick of Ochai Abaji feels like a vote of confidence in the catalysts that are already on this roster. Whether How dare you steal a take from Trevor? <laughs> yes. Uh, what Carter is referencing is uh, the spaces that we did live uh, throughout the draft. Big thanks to everyone that came on Twitter and, and hung out with us as we were making uh kind of our, our live reactions to everything. But yeah, Tre- Trevor made this point, and the more I've marinated with it, the truer it feels, because it really does seem like with Sexton, with Okoro, with Garland, with Mobley, with all uh, Lavert, even, all the initiators they have, Ochai is someone that's really complimentary to all of them, and it really does feel like a vote of confidence that, hey, Isaac Okoro, who has taken some time um, that maybe didn't make the the leap some people wanted to see see him make last season, especially with Sexton out, we still believe 
in upside there. We we uh, hopefully Colin Sexton will be back as this pick makes a whole lot more sense if uh, Colin Sexton is on the roster, in my opinion. Um, but it's maybe just a, a vote of confidence in the guys that are already here. And maybe it's also a reflection of how they felt about the guys that were available at 14, that none of the, the swings are going to land you back at home. That maybe if you take a swing, your best case scenario is you're, you're making it to second because you just don't got the juice. Um, like it, it, to me, that's what this pick really feels like. And as someone that's very confident in the roster that we had that didn't expect to have this pick, that was fine giving up this pick uh, to go get Harris Levert, um, having a guy that I'm confident can be a rotation player and bring something to the table that the Cavs didn't have, which is a high-volume shooter uh, that can play point-of-attack defense, that gives them defensive versatility, which I think is one of the big things they needed to add uh, along with playmaking. You know, like... Honestly, the, uh, in, the pick makes a lot of sense. I think some of the reactions are a byproduct of the way the board has played out um, and also a way that this tier ended up shaping up to be in terms of the draft. I think no matter what, almost no matter who the Cavs might have taken at 14, I bet a sizable portion of the fan base would have thought they should have gone 20. You know, I mean, you were you told me before the draft that you were fine with Branham at 14 Branham mm-hmm. went at 21 and I was like that yeah, sounds right to me as a Branham skeptic I think you wouldn't have been stunned if Jalen Williams fell and he yep. went all the way up to 12 so a lot higher than I expected <clears throat> I mean higher than I expected to I was pretty certain he would make it there and they would and I my fear is them choosing elsewhere not even having the choice was stunning so I th- I think that like it's just a byproduct of where they are you know um and in the way that the talent pool of this of this draft was like, maybe I would have preferred Eason over Egbaji, um, just because I just really like him as a prospect. But I'm not like, again, I just think I think it's silly to be mad, especially if you really are looking with a magnifying gra- glass at AJ Griffin, um, who I would have probably taken, I think, um, but like I would have done it holding my nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. The nice thing, like if you look at that playing game in versus Atlanta, which never read too much into one game situations, but you didn't really have kind of that. You were still picking offense or defense, and Abaji is someone that you're not going to have to make those concessions with, and you are going to be able to deploy him in different ways, uh, both offensively and defensively. And I think what we had talked about in the past when, when people were critical of the offense that JB Bickerstaff was running, it started the season in a very different way, right? Where there was a lot of movement. Um, there, there was a lot of off ball action for Garland, for Sexton, all these guys were, were playing um, a, a different style than we had seen in the past. And as the injuries came up, they changed what they were able to do offensively. Abaji gives JB another weapon that he can use in a lot of different ways. He's going to have a lot of gravity. Uh, he's good as a movement shooter uh, coming off uh, screens. Um, and he's someone that gives them defensive versatility. And that's one of the biggest things is even when the Cavs had everybody, they were still like, they weren't locked into one style, but there were some limitations with the roster. And I think Abaji opens up possibilities. Yeah, I think more than anything, uh, any of the other perspective picks on the board make JB Bickerstaff play different players if he wants them on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jalen 
if Jalen's three, if he had been there, was it wasn't as good as we thought. You know, that cramped spacing probably can't play him a ton with Okoro. Yeah. If um you pick Branham, you you probably have to bench Sexton because you I really did not like the idea of a Sexton Branham. Um, one, two, three lineup. <laughs> that that uh, would have been a little tough. As much as I, I like the spacing that Branham could have provided, um, that that's probably a little tough to work. And I just think it would have been barbecue chicken. Yeah, and Abaji is a, a better shooter than Branham. Like I, I think uh, Ochai has a very, very good argument to be the best shooter in the draft. Like uh, Griffin, uh, I think from a talent standpoint would be there, but from proven track record, I mean. Uh, Abaji shot basically 40% on seven attempts a game over the last two seasons. That's different than when we were looking at, let's say, the catch and shoot numbers for Jalen Williams. And uh, he made 40 attempts total uh, on the season. This is a completely different animal. This is real volume three-point shooting, a shooting that came at distance and shooting off of movement, things that the Cavs did not have. And I, I think the fact that they've addressed some needs here makes things really interesting. I think this also kind of might inform what they do with the mid-level exception if they do end up keeping it because if Abaji is ready to play right away and isn't I, like an, I, I, a Yang-like swing, maybe you go guard. Maybe you look to spend those resources on the backup point guard market and chase someone like whether it be Tyus Jones, DeLon Wright, uh, or uh, bring back Ricky Rubio. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think that it would actually probably be, I mean, I don't want to say a bad choice, but a, a, a puzzling one. I mean, mm-hmm. Kobe Altman's in his post-game presser, or post, you know, uh, pick presser talking about, you know, how O'Shea is a finished product <laughs> at 14. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't go spend $8 million on Nick Batum um, if you think you just drafted a finished product on, on what's becoming a pretty crowded wing room, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, if you're, if Colin's going to play a bunch of two, if they end up playing, if they end up picking up a backup point guard. Um, so yeah, I would agree. I think that it is more likely than not that, well, actually I would, actually, what I would actually say is it's more likely they don't spend their whole mid-level exception now. Yeah. Um, I mean, right, it's good. not something. If you feel confident with your rotation, you don't have to go out and spend money just to spend money. And we, we should probably say, just for the sake of transparency, we are recording this as the draft is still going on. Uh, Marjan Beauchamp just got drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, that feels like a very Bucks pick, I, I think. Uh, once again, they get a lot of length, a lot of defense. Uh, so if, if something happens uh, for the Cavs, uh, if they trade up, if... Uh, they they make a, a pick or a, any sort of move. Uh, we might be reacting to that live on the podcast, or it may occur after we're done recording. So just for the sake of transparency, uh, I guess now pick 25 is in with Blake Wesley, but that's where we are at in, in our own little universe. Yeah, so obviously, you know, we're going to have to be reactive um, to, to any any of these changes. But yeah, so I, I, I think we should probably, you know, talk about rotational stuff i know we hit on some of this in our spaces but you know if you were to kind of just lay out the rotation for the Cavs right now like how many minutes are we expecting for this kid man and, and kit and kid is a funny term to use because he's older than okoro and mobley yeah he's still just 22 and and i, I think should always take that into consideration because this is a 22 year old that's getting with nba trainers for the first time in his career yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same as like a 22 year old who's had, you know, NBA development the whole time. So like he's got a little. I think 
you know, like to your point, like these, these guys, like we, we act like it's the same thing and it, it actually sometimes can help them in a way that, you know, we're not expecting to yeah. get with NBA staffs. Yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, I mean, look at how many 22 year olds uh, fell in the draft in, in recent years, whether it be Desmond Bain, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, all these guys that were kind of thought of to be finished products because they, they were older and showed a whole nother level. I mean, Desmond Bain, uh, if, Voters were being honest and didn't, you know, um, they, they probably should have given it to Darius Garland, most improved player. And I, I think they gave it to the wrong Grizzly. Like, I, I think Jaws' uh, rise in numbers had more to do with him being healthy this season for the most part. But I digress. Uh, there, There's absolutely still some upside. But from a rotation standpoint, it's really interesting because I do feel like Abaji works really well with various different combinations. And uh, an interesting comment from Kobe Altman as we're recording this, uh, where he says he thinks of Ochai as more of a shooting guard than a small forward, but he will lean on J.B. Bickerstaff to decide on where he gets deployed. And I, I guess, you know, um, 6'5", barefoot, uh, 6'10", wingspan, he can probably play a little bit of both positions, probably is going to need to add a little bit of strength because... If you look at Okoro not necessarily being able to defend uh, small forwards, I think that honestly has more to do with just kind of his age and, and still working his way into a man body than his height or length. Um, but Ochai is a longer wing than Okoro. So, uh, and especially with Mobley and Allen uh, behind them, I think you can get weird and you can play two shooting guards together, especially if they're a little bit longer. Um, but the fact that Abaji does work with so many different combinations of guys, I feel like it really opens up a competition among the players that are already here to go out there to earn their spots in the rotation because there is going to be a lot of uh, competition from Colin Sexton to Karis LeVert to Isaac Okoro uh, to maybe some of these guys that they, they pick in the second round. Like I think Obaji is going to have a spot in the rotation, but it's going to come down to how ready he is, how, how quickly he picks everything up in camp and how much growth the guys that are already on the roster are going to make. But again, it really does feel like a vote of confidence on the internal growth front because the Abaji pick, he's not going to give you that creation juice, but he is giving you something that you really needed, which is two-way play, defense, and high-volume perimeter shooting. Yeah, um, I, I think that when you really look look at it... I, 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 hold on, my stupid cat is drive me crazy Give me a I, I, I guess i should point out uh, at the same time jetty osmond's still on this roster too like we he might earn a role but really it does seem like the fact that abaji's in the mix like i would kind of expect him to take that volume shooting role that jetty has because jetty really like even though he had his ups and downs just the threat of him coming out there and always being willing to shoot like that helped a lot of the their lineups and I know we've had discussions about how effective is Abaji if he's a 36 or 37% shooter versus uh, 38 to 40%. Honestly, I think the most important thing is that his attempts are up at like seven or eight um, in, in his per 36. 36 stats. Yeah, because if he's shooting at volume, even if it's at 36, 37%, I think that has a legitimate impact on the Cavs offense and opens up a lot of possibilities. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think... You know, in terms of the rotational spot, I think that I'm actually not interested in the two versus three thing for this team anymore. Um, I'm really interested in the are they playing on the wing uh, or in, you know, down low. You know, I think mm-hmm. that like Colin, it, it 
is projecting as a wing for this team. You know, he's he's I mean he's playing some guard, but he's gonna be playing a ton of minutes at the two. Okoro, Lavert, Ebaji, these guys are just gonna float between the two and the three, wherever whatever the lineup makes sense for. So like I just don't really care what their positions are at this point. Mm-hmm. Like in 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 the most like basic of senses. Um because I think they're they're just gonna match whatever matchup makes the most sense. Yeah. Um in any of these circumstances. And really it might come down to lineups, matchups. Like I, I think the Cavs are starting to add the ability to play different styles. And uh some of that got robbed from them last season with the injuries. But I think from a personnel standpoint, they really do have a lot of options. Like even the the starting shooting guard conversation gets really interesting because obviously we need to see whether how the Colin Sexton situation gets resolved. But if Sexton is back, if he is re-signed, and if he's looking like himself, he's going to have a, a pretty good case uh, for the starting shooting guard position because he's probably a better off-ball player than Karis LeVert is. And maybe you want that playmaking uh, of Karis LeVert more with the second unit, with whatever backup point guard they end up targeting. Like, There's a lot of different ways that they can use their lineups, and I think maybe we might start to see changes uh in the the rotation just because they proved last year that they had more depth than we initially thought and i i could see jb maybe going deeper in the rotation and uh guys having fresher legs because we we do have the ability to mix and match lineups to to um counter what the opponents are doing like i think abaji would have been really really helpful in those playing games like offensively and defensively and and I, I do give a little bit of uh, credit to someone that was the best player on a national championship team. Like that, that really matters. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think he would have helped. I mean, I think he probably gets any Jetty minutes from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't know if Jetty gets minutes if Sexton's healthy um, this past year. That's a good point. <laughs> so like, I just, I, my first, Blush instinct is that he's not going to be in the rotation to start. Jetty? Uh, no, Ibaji. Uh, oh, okay. Like, I just think if you really look at it, especially if they bring in, well, maybe he will be if they don't bring in an established backup point guard. That's really the only road I see. Because mm. if you've got Garland and, you know, free agent point guard TBD, there's two. You have Sexton and Lavert, that's four. You have Lowry, Evan, Kevin. Uh, Jarrett, mm-hmm. that's eight, and I think I'm missing <laughs> someone. Probably. So, like, I, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tougher than people realize. Yeah, I think to some extent, but on the other hand, I almost think they're set up well to do what Memphis did last season, which is playing a deeper rotation, but the guys that are out there, you're playing hard for 48 minutes. Like I think the, the Cavs issue last season was they played really, really hard, consistent basketball. I mean, it was, I think it was like game 52 where they really kind of had their first game that we felt was a letdown from an energy standpoint and from a performance standpoint. And it just became tougher and tougher to maintain that level of intensity and that level of play as guys got hurt. And now that you have a deeper rotation, Maybe some of these guys have their minutes cut back. The guys that were playing 36 minutes are playing 31, 32 hard minutes. 
And the rotation goes a little bit deeper, and it becomes about we are going to maintain a level of intensity throughout the game. We are going to be a team that everyone hates playing because now we have the depth. And maybe that opens up opportunities and the rotation ends up being deeper than it was last season. Because I think we're going to learn, just like we learned about where the Cavs felt about the roster with this draft pick. We're going to feel, uh, we're, we're going to learn about how JB Bickerstaff wants to use a lineup with more valid options to use. Yeah. And the reality is, even if you're playing this rotation game, like the Cavs had bad injury luck last year, and that's a factor, but almost every team has to play their ninth, 10th, and 11th men some legitimate minutes. Yeah. Um. So, like, I'm not terribly worried about it. I'm not either. Um, and, I, I mean, healthy he competition is right away. Like, I mean, oh, cool. oh, we, I know who our ninth player was. I forgot Isaac. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, which whoops. Uh, it's late guys. We've been I, talking for two and a half hours. Honestly, um, I, I would have uh, corrected you if I wasn't completely sidetracked and not listening to what you were saying. Oh, thanks buddy. I appreciate it. So yeah, point is they got nine guys right now. If they, if they pick up a backup point card. So like either it kind of feels like it's either Isaac or, um, or Ibaji in the rotation and mm-hmm. whoever's the best is gonna is gonna get it and you know they're similar ages um you know different skill sets obviously um but you know i i think if you're isaac okoro you should be coming into this camp like hey i i, I gotta be ready to earn this yeah oh absolutely uh, Chris Fedor uh, just tweeted out a quote from Kobe Altman. He said that Ochai Abaji is more of a finished product than what they've drafted in the past, but also said he didn't want to put a ceiling on him because Abaji has a history of getting better at every stop and being a late bloomer. And I mean, we, we've seen it time and time again. We we, we act like 22-year-olds are finished products. I don't think that's fair. Um, but I, I also think we also have to note that the rest of the guys on the roster aren't finished products. And I think Isaac Okoro is a great example of that. Um, I, I mentioned before when we were talking about Jalen Williams that we have as much history, there, there is as much proof that Jalen Williams can shoot in the NBA as there is for Isaac Okoro. In fact, there's less because Okoro made, after January, when he shot 38% from three, he made about the same volume that Jalen Williams did from a closer line in college at the same volume. So I, I think that there is still the possibility that there's a lot of more left with Okoro when we initially picked him. Um, Gavoni said it was going to take three, four, five years for him to realize his offensive potential. And I, I think we overlook it a little bit because at the end of the day, the field goal percentage went up about 6%. The three-point percentage went up about 6%. And now it's not about him adding things to his game. It's about him doing what he was already doing at a higher volume. And I think that is a lot easier to stomach and a lot easier to kind of see the path to that versus drafting a 21-year-old, which there was a lot of in this draft, and hoping that you can add something to their game. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm rooting for Okoro to, to, to win that spot and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, maybe even move up the rotation if if the jumper continues to develop if the if the handle continues to develop again this is a young young player um and you know the cabs are just stocked with options one of the things i really liked about this general crop of available prospects at 14 heading into tonight was no matter who it is it's just an extra lottery ticket so like let's say okoro doesn't get there 
if mm-hmm. Akbaji does, then we're doing okay. You know, if if whoever we pick doesn't get there, but Okoro does, we're doing okay. You yeah. know, and like there, there there's a we, lot we of really just need someone to step up and earn that fourth spot, right? Or fourth and fifth spot, and. and I mean, obviously, a rotation goes much beyond that. But if one guy can really kind of grab the bull by the horns and solidify their spot as a member of the core, that's going to make a big difference. And and we've done all of this talking, and we haven't even talked about Larry Markkinen, who just turned 25 years old. Like, there is still so much potential within this roster, and it really does. And I'm going to keep coming back to this point. The pick of Ochai feels like a vote of confidence in the confidence in the guys that they already have on the roster yeah i i completely agree there's so many bites at the apple for this team um and you know there's and they've got names that you know if they do decide hey we want to make a consolidation deal we want to cash our chips in you know you yeah Cavs twitter was in a frenzy when they saw um you know Dejounte murray's name in trade rumors again um, and in fairness, so did we a little bit privately. We <laughs> love so, Dejounte. Less so. I I want to I want to stop yeah, you because uh, you're our, more respectful chat, than I am. Our our chat with uh, Nam, you you two are being all reckless, and I I, I just don't see it. I, I think maybe that's a situation if Dejounte Murray gets moved. Um, maybe that's a, a situation where the the Cavs can look at, at some of the other Spurs wings if they get into a rebuilding situation. Like that's that was the lens that I ended up looking at. Um, but you know. Having a, a Baji again, like at some point the Cavs may have to make a, a consolidation move and adding a guy that, you know, you feel pretty confident is at the very least going to be a rotation player and maybe he does have some upside. Um, that could be very beneficial, whether they're moving off other pieces on their roster and they feel confident that he can step up and, and be part of the rotation if they do consolidate or if he needs to be part of the deal uh, himself. Like it opens up a lot of options for them. And I I think we should stop right now and and talk a little bit about kind of the paths we see to Abaji having more upside than maybe what's being foreseen right now. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the upside is, I mean, I just, I don't know if he's ever going to be a ball handler. I just don't, I think, I think honestly it might be, um, it might be more of, his defense becoming him becoming more of an event defender. Mm. Um, that's a good point. Cause he, he wasn't a high stocks guy. He is not a high stocks guy. And like, you know, like that's why draft, you know, analytical Twitter is not going to like this pick for the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like they didn't really love Isaac Okoro for the Cavs because he's not a high stocks guy either. Um, you know, if, if he becomes someone who, you know, uh, is, is using the advantages of what the Cavs backline provides him mm-hmm. and is able to attack um you know passing lanes and start getting a couple more steals generating extra possessions i think that's probably the road for him um i just don't think he's got the feel off the dribble um but if he is you know picking off passes and scoring in transition and juicing his numbers that way mm-hmm. i think that's the road what do I, you think I, I think that's really exciting um the two areas that I kind of identify, like if you watch the film on Abaji, you notice that he's a really, really intelligent off-ball player. And he's someone that would catch a lot of lob dunks because even though he is just uh, 6'5", barefoot, 
he has a 6'10 wingspan and an 8 foot 8 standing reach. Like this guy is long and he's really athletic. He he's someone that can get up there and having another lob target for Darius Garland, someone that can either be a threat cutting uh, a lob threat cutting or a threat to go the other way on a screen and come off a curl and hit a, a three-point jump shot uh, off of movement. Like that either or kind of optionality that he has, I think that can really open up a lot of things offensively. And sure, he's not going to have the juice individually as a playmaker, but those types of actions can really open up a lot of possibilities. And especially if we are thinking that at some point, Evan Mobley is going to become an important offensive hub, having guys that can make defenses think about what they're doing and kind of make multiple reads based off what the defense is giving them off ball, that opens up a lot of possibilities. And I just don't think the Cavs had a lot of guys that could be versatile in that way. Here's the other thing about uh, about Ibaji, uh his athleticism and his you know potential impact that we maybe didn't get to see um, is he was a pretty high volume player for Kansas, uh, uh, soaked up a ton of possessions. That's exhausting to do. Yeah. Um, he will not be soaking up a ton of possessions for this Cavaliers team, which you know that's kind of where I go back to the event defender <laughs> thing. Like you can get a little more reckless. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can play with a little bit more abandon. You can hightail it up the court in transition yeah. and, and really display your athleticism when you're not fried because you're running off 47 pin downs I, to I try to generate I, an advantage. I think he's going to like playing with Darius Garland too. And like he definitely seems like a culture fit. And I mean, we talked about this the whole draft process, especially at the range of 14. What we're doing is we're talking ourselves into these guys. And the nice thing about Abaji is you don't have to squint to figure out how he's going to be a productive player and how he's going to help out with the team. And I also think like when we started this process, Abaji was like the first guy that you and I were both in on. And as you keep watching more, as you keep watching the strength videos of Adam Spinella breakdowns and stuff like that, of other guys that are are more raw, like you start to talk yourself into the upside of all these guys. And, and the longer you you look and you squint, the easier it is to talk into talk yourself into all these guys. And I don't think it changes anything that we loved at the front end with Abaji. And it's not the most sexy play. Um, I probably would have wanted the the AJ Griffin swing. But at the end of the day, like we fall in love with archetypes when it comes to the NBA draft and the Cavs are the ones that actually have to make the assessments of talent. They're the ones that actually have to, to look into this, uh, to, to do their research on guys, to make decisions on how confident they are that their situation is one where they're going to be able to develop that player, that they're going to thrive in their system. And you kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've done such a good job with roster construction um, as well as the draft overall. Like I, I know people are lukewarm on Okoro, but that wasn't the strongest draft and the rest of the top 10 uh, was not ideal. Plus, it was also a pick that even at the time, the people that were really high on Okoro said it would take years. Um, it, it would take the three to five years for him to find his offense. And it's not like he hasn't shown growth on that end. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting. Also, man, I know that we're we're going to, you know, if the Cavs do anything crazy, we'll have to, you know, record some sort of addendum tomorrow. But 
Uh, looks like the Cavs are not getting back into the first round. There's only one pick left uh, <laughs> at this point. So, you know, there's uh, al- there's always that early first possibility, Carl. You, you you never know. I mean, we 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 had some success there with Jetty Osman. Maybe uh, we'll, we'll turn things around there. But there are some point guards still on the board. I, I really don't want to do a whole lot of talking live. Uh, but well, Edwin yeah, well, is still there. Uh, I was gonna get to it to a question if you would have lo- let me get there. Okay. So assuming they don't go up and get 30 from Denver. Um, are you disappointed that they weren't able to buy back in? Uh, a little bit. I mean, especially when it comes to draft night, you want activity, you want to move up, you you want to do all these deals. I mean, on the podcast here, Carter, I'm patient, I'm composed, I try to take the long view, I try to think of all sides to every single argument. But at the end of the day, me personally, I'm a psycho. Anyone that's in a fantasy football league knows this. I will trade during the season. I will trade all my future picks for guys on the roster. And then come draft night, I will trade. I, I went from zero first round picks to three Carter. I'm a lunatic. I will trade for players I've traded away. I've done that multiple times. I love the transaction and the transaction is fun. Um, I, of course, I'd like to see that. I, I would like to see them move into the pick and get another guy um, that, you know, kind of a, a higher caliber prospect, but they still have multiple picks in the second round. They're, they still have uh, some flexibility. And no matter where you get picked, it's going to come down to player development more than who you're picking and where you're picking them. So I think there's still an, uh, the opportunity for the cast to, to add more talent before the night's done. Uh, we'll probably need to talk about that early next week. I'm not recording with you tomorrow, Carter. I've, I've got family stuff that's going on. You should have checked with me before. But, uh, you know, if if there is other Sorry. moves, let's be honest. A lot of these second round prospects, Carter, we're going to need a few days to, to fill ourselves in and to talk ourselves into those guys. So, I, you know, uh, thank you for uh, offering me the same question I offered you. Uh, and clearly, it's getting late and you're losing your point guard edge. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I do want to answer my own question and say I'm actually not that disappointed uh, based on how the <laughs> Based on how the board worked out, I don't really. There was no one I was like, "Oh, you got to go up and get him." Mm-hmm. Um, and and like you know, as we end the first round, I still kind of feel that way. You know, especially with the Cavs, you know, playing a dangerous game close to the tax. It's kind of nice not to take on needless guaranteed money. That's, that's um, a good point uh, for someone you're not in love with. So like you know, I, I guess you know, Laravia was off the board. Um, uh, you know, some Christian Brown off the board. So you just look at some of these guys that you might have fallen in love with. They're just not there. So it's why force it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd rather them just be a little bit more flexible with the choices they make. And, um, and you know, I, I feel like they haven't felt like they had to force it. So not disappointed, but, you know, we're going to learn a lot more about uh, kind of where Kobe's looking to take this thing by the end of the night, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And there there's still Canadians on the board in the second round. So uh, my my selfish goals are, are still going to be alive. Uh, Carter, it's been a long day. We're going to need some time to compose our thoughts to look at everything that happens. Uh, the Cavs have picks throughout the second round now they have three picks. Um, so there's certainly a lot more that can happen tonight. Uh, so you know what? I think this is a good time that we should call it. Uh, we'll do a podcast early next week, recapping the rest of the draft, um, as well as just taking a look at whatever transactions will be there. Uh, 
God, free agency's coming up soon. July 1st is just around the corner. Summer League on July 7th. We're going to have a lot to talk about. So I, I think we need to rest up. We need we need to take in the rest of the evening. And, uh, you know, let, let's see what the Cavs end up doing. Because I, I still think there's a lot of options available and uh, a lot of different directions that they can take this. Yes, sir. Can't wait. Take us home, Justin. So a massive thank you to everyone that tuned in on Spaces. Uh, We weren't able to go live for this podcast, uh, but we do have it up on YouTube. So if you want to support us on YouTube, you can like and subscribe. Click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. Uh, If you are listening via podcast, you can support us the normal way, which is leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot that reviewed at chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cats. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.